This is Mindset for Success with your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen. Each week, she will interview women entrepreneurs to explore the unconscious psychological struggles they faced as they build their businesses and how they overcame them. Here's your host, Leslie Knudsen. Kristen, hello and welcome. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast today, and I look forward to hearing what you have to say and to share it with our listeners. Um, I'm going to talk first about your background, which is super interesting, and I'm looking forward to hear a lot about what you're doing. After earning an honors degree in astrophysics, Kristen consulted for a Fortune 50 company for 12 years. And during that time, she side hustled launching diet apps and websites to promote her products. She learned how to craft marketing videos from home after mastering production techniques. Demand for videos and video expertise skyrocketed, which led her to launch Value Video Marketing. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much, Leslie. It's always interesting and kind of fun to hear my bio spoken through someone else's voice. So thank <laughs> you for that kind intro. You're welcome. Um, Kristen, as you know, it takes a lot to be a successful female entrepreneur. And business acumen is key, but we rarely talk about the psychological issues that women often face to achieve that success. I refer to those as the negative and sometimes persistent thoughts that can create doubt, undermine success, destroy self-confidence, and decision-making, as well as overall just sort of reducing one's overall happiness and satisfaction. So today I'd like to start uh, hear a little bit about what about your background and how what was some of your journey to become an entrepreneur. So everything you mentioned I have personally gone through over the years. So my entrepreneurial journey started over a decade ago when I was just 25. I had read Tim Ferriss's 4-hour work week and was inspired to <laughs> launch my own software company. I'm sure there's a lot of people who have a similar story. Because four hours is great. That's all the work <laughs> you have to have. Yeah, I mean, I'm an overachiever here. I work way more than four hours a week. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so at that time in my life, I was new to entrepreneurship because I had had this belief that, quote unquote, people like me couldn't be entrepreneurs. And it was a combination of uh, reading the four-hour work week, but also being exposed to entrepreneurial people who also had day jobs that I realized that it's really something anyone with a drive and a motivation and an ambition can do is become an entrepreneur. So I got really excited when I realized that and began pursuing my journey. Um, however, I tell you what, I, I've had setbacks due to imposter syndrome, due to fear of failure, due to um, thinking that, you know, even someone like me couldn't go after venture funding, um, which, mm -hmm. which wasn't true, but actually hindered my entrepreneurial journey um, at some points. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's a, there's a lot of different 
emotional and mental hurdles that I had to overcome in order mm-hmm. to continue driving forward on my my journey. Now, the, the emotional breakthroughs didn't always automatically mean success was right around the corner. It just meant that I got to continue on the, the hard journey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about how you were able to recognize um, or how difficult it was for you to see yourself being able to to be successful and how you were able to overcome that and work through that. So it was hard to envision myself as having true success because I still had a very limited scope of what I thought was possible for me. I still, at that time in my life, Mm -hmm. I still very much had a good student view of the world where if I worked hard, other people would tell me what that's worth, you Mm -hmm. know, in terms of like the job salary mentality. Um, and, and it took me a long time to realize that as an entrepreneur, you actually have to define the value of what you do and what you've created into the world and then go Mm -hmm. about, um, learning how to, to, um, extract that value by, by providing enough for other people that they're not just willing to, but happy to give you money in exchange for what you're offering and that really the sky is the limit. You're not going to get there overnight, but you know, your ambitions should be as big as they can possibly go because there's no real limitation to how big, um, you can go in your entrepreneurial journey. But of course it's, it's helpful to have self-confidence underneath that ambition, right? You have confidence, then it's harder. It's harder to push forward. It's a lot harder to push forward and it's, and it's almost impossible to ask for your worth if you don't have confidence in yourself because even if even if you can believe that you're worth that much having that conversation one-on-one with somebody is a totally different scenario and being able to confidently put a number out there and make commitments to the value that you're going to provide mm-hmm. requires mm-hmm. a lot of confidence for sure for sure have you ever suffered from not having confidence absolutely <laughs> tell me a little bit about that oh gosh where does that start um that that goes back to you know all the way back to like the beginning of being a teenager and stuff I I absolutely struggled with having very little confidence as well as very little self-worth the two Mm -hmm. were very tied up for me and Mm -hmm. you know looking back on it I think I used to focus a lot on self-confidence. And I don't think that that went very far until I really started working on my self-worth and the confidence Mm -hmm. came out of realizing and connecting to my own inherent worth out of anything Mm -hmm. outside of anything that I do. Mm -hmm. And what, how, how were you able to get there to find, to find your self-worth and have that kind of come out and drive your ambition and drive all of what you're, what you've done? It's been a lot of work first and foremost. And I think the the thing that has helped me most on that journey is a deep dedication to knowing what I want out of life, mm-hmm. understanding who I need to be to get those things and and being unwavering in my decision to become that person no matter how long it takes me or how hard it is because here mm-hmm. I am I'm, you know well over 10 years on my personal growth journey and of course I still have a ways to go but I have accomplished 
a lot of the things I needed to do and become. So, you know, that, that dedication first and foremost helped me, but I also want to say that my self-worth journey was still a very slow, long slog to get Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm, until mm -hmm. I, well, let me, let me say that, you know, since, since I was 14, starting at the age of 14, I had an eating disorder Mm-hmm. Um, that was severe and long lasting and impacted me every single day of my mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. for, um, you know, almost, almost a couple decades. Um, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I learned how to overcome that eating disorder that my self-worth really skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I had to, with that eating disorder, I was harming myself every single day of my life and still not fully understanding why or how to stop it. And and trust me, I'd done a lot of work and been to see a lot of specialists and sure. done a lot to try to overcome that. But um, it, it took me a very specific way of overcoming it that now I can, I can, I can, I can work on developing, not developing myself, but I can work on healing myself and feeling good every day mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. fighting this way I was hurting myself every day. So that was a huge part of, of my journey in self-worth and self-confidence. And I guess that has something to do with your first startup, which was a diet app. Mm-hmm. And there. How, did, how, did, how did that go for you? So because of the eating disorder, I had developed a, an extreme preoccupation with what I was eating and this, this, you know, I was totally won over by this idea of, well, if you just put healthy things in, you'll get healthy things out of your body. Mm-hmm. And if you just mm-hmm. treat it right, then if you just eat this way, then your cravings will all disappear and mm-hmm. you'll just be like healthy and healthy. And like, there was this idea that like diet will solve all of our problems in life. Mm-hmm. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll lose all of the weight. We'll get the love of our life. Everything will make more money. Like everything will just be better. Right. All in four and, hours. <laughs> And, um, and I believed that for way, way, way too long. So I had been eating this diet and even though I still had an eating disorder, I was like sold on the idea of this diet and promoting it and helping other people eat this way, secretly hiding the fact that Mm -hmm. I had an eating disorder while I was on Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what made you finally decide to leave corporate and open your own business? I mean, I know you started the diet app. Because there, there must have been some risk um, attached to that. Yeah. So, so for me, that decision isn't as clear cut as it may be for other people. Uh, I had also experienced really severe health issues um, when I was around that age, a little older than that, and and those health issues forced me to leave corporate. I was I was too ill to hold a job, and we had tried everything, yeah. working part time from home, and like I just my my ability to work was too sporadic and and just not, not enough. I mean, like maybe an hour a day, I could be like lucid and focused. Mm-hmm. So I had already launched um, my first business and was selling it at that time. So like. I can't say enough how grateful I am that I'd gotten that first business launch because it was bringing in money every month that I could live off of. Um, it mm-hmm. wasn't comfortable. It wasn't a replacement to my salary or anything, but it was a huge blessing to have some of my own money coming in um, mm-hmm. every month at that point. 
Um, so it was something that was forced on me <laughs> leaving. And I had gone back to corporate after that. There's a whole story um, that we probably won't get to here, but that was my first push into full entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And was it, did when you finally decided to, to, to go out on your own, did it feel like you were ready to do that? No, absolutely not. <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> but it was, um, for me, it was the only choice I had forward. So it was full commitment to that. And, and it was very hard and very slow, but I'd also made the decision to expand my product line and invest in developing and launching another, um, digital website. Um, and, um, because that was my only path, path forward. And I worked on that business when I could, which was maybe one hour a day. And there were absolutely days where I couldn't work on my business at all just Mm -hmm. due to the health issues that I was experiencing. So does it take longer to do it that way? Absolutely. But it can be done. I had a product launched and I had, had marketed it in advance and I had, um, 2000 users who, who signed up, I think within the first month or two. Wow. And it also sounds like in spite of the such difficult circumstances, being ill and trying to start your own business, you also had, can I say the courage and the foresight to use that one hour a day to get, to go and, and do your best to move forward. Yeah, I guess you could you could call it courage. At the time, it simply felt like my only option, and it never felt like enough. But um, I had learned during that time that beating myself up and feeling bad about quote not working enough was only hindering my healing journey, and that I just mm-hmm. needed to mm-hmm. go with that flow. And like, whenever that time came where I felt lucid enough to go up into the office and sit there and work until I couldn't anymore. And, and giving up and I don't know, doing something else never was a, was an option. Giving up was never an option. It was, it always felt like a sane thing to do, <laughs> but it was never an option for me. I have because? never given up. Sorry, say that again. Because? Why wasn't it an option to give up? It wasn't an option to give up because entrepreneurship and working for myself is the only thing that makes sense for me personally. It's it's the only thing that has the possibility to give me the life that I want. It's the only thing that that puts me in the driver's seat and has me calling the shots and has me fully responsible for all wins and failures. And that's mm-hmm. what I need. That's where mm-hmm. I want to be. Mm-hmm. And something about the freedom of working for you, working on your own, working for you, allows you not to feel boxed in. Yeah. And that allows you to feel self-confident and have a drive without being too caught up in self-doubt you know I think I think maybe that is I would have never said it that way but I abs when I find even now when I find myself 
working um, in a team where I'm not leading that team, like when I'm working with clients or, or in some um, specific circumstances, I find myself getting really frustrated when people are doing things not the way I would do them. Right. Have you ever had a setback which triggered a deep fear in you that your business would fail? And if yes, can you describe what you were afraid of and how you were able to manage this fear of failure? Yes, uh, multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, not, just not just not just once. So when you when you say this, the first thing that comes to mind is again my my health and my healing journey because that's been such a huge part of my story. Um, after I had gotten super ill, it took me several years, but I did heal myself and had my full life back. I was, you know, working more than full time again and going to the gym and had a social life and I had everything back, um, as well as, um, my entrepreneurial endeavors. And then my health crashed again. And I went back to being barely able to work, barely able to function, barely able to care for myself. And I was terrified of what that meant. But with that first relapse, I, I should have felt more grief and, and frustration and unfairness about the situation than I did. But honestly, and I think it was it was because I committed to this so much during the first time I worked through this. Um, during my first relapse, all I felt was, I've been here before. I know mm -hmm. how to get out of this. And I don't know how long it's going to take, but I know what to do. And I just need to start working on this now. And I healed much, much faster that second time. So you didn't let yourself fall completely. You kind of Not were completely. compassionate. I was passionate about what I was doing and I was passionate about what I wanted my life to be. And I, and I also had, maybe I didn't have self-worth at that time, but, but I had the self-confidence that I could get out of it again because I had already done that. Like action, taking action on things. And even if you fail, it still leads, it still builds your self-confidence because you show mm -hmm. yourself what you are capable of. And it does create a lift of accomplishments as long as you acknowledge them along the way. Mm -hmm. Right, because you were able to show compassion for yourself. Yeah. Whereas maybe at other more difficult forks in the road, earlier, 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 it was hard to. It absolutely was harder to show myself compassion. And that that was one of the many, many lessons I got out of my first healing journey, my first entrepreneurial journey, was that self-compassion is not making excuses. It's not weakness it is actually being a good partner to yourself mm -hmm. because it helps you be more resilient. Mm -hmm. And it's the glue that holds you together when you go through all of the obvious ups and downs, mm -hmm. difficulties that entrepreneurs go through. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Would you consider yourself someone who hasn't always fit in? And if so, did it ever lead to self-doubt in your decision-making and risk-taking? And how might you have overcome these? How did you overcome these? Um, yes, I've always felt like someone who doesn't fit in. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've always been the very smart, very nerdy, very shy um, person as a child, um, even all the way through high school, which did make it hard to feel like I fit in places. 
Mm-hmm. And I've always chosen unconventional paths in my life, which has mm-hmm. always worked out really well for me. And you know, Can I just tell you they're unconventional in this unconventional in the sense that um, they gave you a lot of freedom, a lot of liberty. They did. Mm-hmm. They did. Um, and what was the second part of the question about not fitting in? Um, if so, did if so, if you've never fit in, if you haven't always fit in, sorry, did it lead to self-doubt in your decision-making and risk-taking? Uh, yes, there would be a lot of inner torment about the decisions I was making because nobody would understand them and be very supportive of them because, you know, like when I went to, when my decision was to study astrophysics for college, people were like, what, like, what are you even going to do with that? Like, Mm -hmm. why would you do that? Um, Or when I chose to go um, and pursue a professional career afterwards, like nobody in my world had ever heard of that as a career or understood it. Um, And, and it's uh, not, not fitting in wasn't something I had to overcome. I think it was more something I had to embrace. I had to realize that Mm -hmm. being different and being called to do different things Mm -hmm. has become a strength of mine and, and is honestly how I create a life that I am happy with, even if no one else understands it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is it about being able to do untraditional things, astrophysics as a woman, for example, maybe, um, is it that you you follow your passion? Your um, it, it, it's it gives you drive to be able to do things that you're passionate about, independent of maybe what you think other people think you should have done. Yeah, I think um, I think there's always been this sense of I don't fit in and I don't want to fit in. I don't, and, and, you know, looking back on it, I would have like one or two friends who were kind of like anti normal people with me, which is kind of silly. <laughs> but like when I, I remember being in middle school and I didn't want to wear um, like very girly clothes, I was still a tomboy and I didn't like the the bootcut flare jeans that other girls were wearing. And like, I had my friend and I who like refused to wear bootcut flare jeans. And, you know, mm-hmm. we were just like mm-hmm. these weirdo rebels or whatever, you know, in the mind mm-hmm. of like middle school or that's what's important in life. But I feel like by connecting with those other people who live a life more like mine, it's helped me develop more comfort in knowing that I'm different and it's okay. So not fitting in, you had to make it, you had to turn it around. And so it was something about, uh, it embraced the all various different parts of you by taking an untraditional route. Yeah. 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 That's, that's definitely embracing different parts of me. That's even with my, my current business value video marketing, it's an unconventional business in the space. Like I really still haven't found any companies that offer what I do and the way I do it. And I, and I crafted my offering by looking at what the market needed and also thinking about what I can offer, which is expedient delivery of a, a video content, um, but also very well crafted and written. And writing is a creative outlet that I've discovered mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. couple of years. So like combining this unique set of skills I have, I can offer something at a better price than anyone else out there. Kristen, um, we are, believe it or not, at the end of our time together. And I want to thank you so much for your openness and courage to talk about some of the psychological issues you face to achieve the success that you have. Um, And um, also your inspirational journey to become an entrepreneur, female entrepreneur for our audience. So thank you so much. Where can people reach you to learn about your work? So you can go to my website, which is valuevideo.marketing. You can type that into any browser. It'll take you right to my website. Or you can just Google my name, um, Kristen Jekalak, um, on LinkedIn and connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where I post. That's where I message with people. It's the best place to follow along and reach out. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much, Leslie. This is a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Totally agree. Thank you. All right, take care. This podcast is brought to you by Women Entrepreneurs Global, the first startup studio and digital DIY startup platform for women. For more information on her guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit womenentrepreneurs.global. We believe in open and non-stigmatizing dialogue about the hidden psychological difficulties experienced by many successful entrepreneurs and highlighting the strategies used to overcome them, such as the fear of failure, of not being good enough, and that loud, chattering internal critic is critical to helping other founders achieve success. Please join her next week for more Mindset for Success stories. That was Dr. Leslie Knudsen, and you can drop her a line at dr.lesliekanudsen at dr.lesliekanudsen.com.